Under the Helmet. You do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Find written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome down to the helmet. Looking at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons. And this weekly show, obviously highlighting some of the bigger things at UTH Dynasty. Got some fun topics this week. And the season is already here. Do want to mention first UTH Film Notes podcast of 2023 for the season is out for that Hall of Fame game. A few nuggets on the Dynasty front, but there's going to be two, three episodes a week going forward in the preseason here in August. And then obviously every single game is covered when we get to the regular season as well. Different installments. You get Thursday night football and Monday night football standalone. And then you get the massive show. I'm trying to be condensed. I'm trying to be concise with the action plans coming out of these games. So the Sunday edition is looking like an hour when it bulges to 75, 80 plus minutes. It's a bit much, I will say. Week one, it's easy to get a little verbose. It's easy to get excited. Everything is new. Everything's fresh. I haven't blinked for 12 hours. So there's so much going on uh, for those UTH Film Note shows. But really, again, my job is to condense what you need to know as if you did not watch the game. Obviously, you're going to catch something during the week. You're going to catch maybe a few games. Maybe you're going to have Red Zone on. Uh, But the point is, my job is to catch it all and condense it down into a few minutes that you did not spend three-plus hours watching said game with the Dynasty cap on for your teams. So uh, let's get started. A couple polls I put out on Twitter, and I want to go over the results here because I think it's instructive for a few things. First of all, uh, I put out who will be the QB1 in the Dynasty market in January 2024. And the options were Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, or other. And it was almost 80% Patrick Mahomes, about 10% Josh Allen, and about 10, 11% other. So that could be Burrow, it could be Justin Fields, it could be Jalen Hurts, it could be Trevor Lawrence, it could be a variety of, of other players. I thought two things were interesting. Number one, Patrick Mahomes with such a huge, enormous edge, and yet when I see people trading away 101 in a, a super flex startup draft, it does not signify this much of a lethal, dominant, hammering edge uh, of what people, I, again, this is inherently a risky business, <laughs> projecting dynasty player value and insulation because insulation in a violent contact sport where everyone is good and everyone has been filtered out from college to the pro and it's tough to stand out. And when you do at the most important and difficult position in sports that uh, it is it is tough to fall down the mountain. It is tough to get surpassed. Patrick Mahomes is such a dominant uh, force like gravity. And the fact that he has such an edge in this, even over Josh Allen, and yet I look at these auctions, I look at these startup drafts, and folks don't have that same dominant edge of Patrick Mahomes versus the field, Patrick Mahomes versus Josh Allen. And I find that interesting. And obviously, 
this poll is going out and probably voted on by many people who listen to this show. Many people who are in my sphere. And this is just, I mean, such a dominant number of uh, advantage for Patrick Mahomes. And so, man, so many times, it's did I get enough for Patrick Mahomes? The answer is no. No, you did not get enough. And Jordan and I, Jordan McNamara and I are, are doing a startup auction and we literally could have written on a piece of paper, Patrick Mahomes, no matter what. And we left the auction with Patrick Mahomes <laughs> because it's that bankable. And it, when you're analyzing, there's risk to every single player, but you start doing the math and there's way more risk for so many more players. And Mahomes, especially in Superflex, is such a lid lifter and floor riser for your team results. It's just undeniable. And the thing we said was, I mean, whatever it costs, basically, exiting you, 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 the it, it, auction startup dollars are funny money because the result is you're leaving your auction, and when you get a week beyond it, when you get a month or a year beyond it, you're left with the the roster and the players and what you paid in a relative fashion. You can go back and review it. Oh, these are the best, best picks, worst picks, uh, big values, all this kind of stuff. But you're left with the players and nothing is going to help your team more than having Patrick Mahomes on it for these super flex formats. And again, so the, the, this polling of just getting through one season, getting to next January and Josh Allen and, and quarterback is vibrant at the top, but the most vibrant Patrick Mahomes. So I'd ran the same poll for tight end one, who will be the tight end one by the dynasty market in January, 2024. Your options were Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts, Travis Kelsey, or other. Mark Andrews wins 44%. Kyle Pitts comes in second, 26%. Travis Kelsey, 18%. And other, 11%. And I would still say this. Depending on who you ask, depending on the room, depending on possibly the format. But... I saw in a recent auction startup, Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey went at similar prices. Kyle Pitts went less. This was all a little surprising to me because Andrews is much younger than Travis Kelsey. And in a startup, that's different than acquiring or holding Travis Kelsey in an existing league. And for as much as I bang on Kyle Pitts and say he's overrated, he came at a discount, a market discount versus Andrews and Kelsey. Yet, right here, viewed by the market, he's got a better shot than Travis Kelsey to be tight end one by the market. So I, I think, you know, Mark Andrews in a relative sense is being slept on. I've, I've traded for him a couple times this offseason. I've drafted him a couple others in initial team builds. And Kyle Pitts, you know, for as much as I rag on him, mostly because he's been, he's been anointed as the Oracle and 
he, he is considered assumptive to be the tight end one in dynasty, or some people already have him there and they will just wait on that. My biggest point is at some point you have to actually put up that season. He's done quality career start with efficiency and yards per route run. However, he's on the same team with Drake London. He's got a quarterback issue and he's coming off of an injury. There's a lot of roadblocks here to say tight end one is going to be really, really tough for him to hit. And for Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, that pathway is a lot more straightforward. Uh, and another part about Twitter I wanted to discuss is going viral. Um, I had over the past week, I had a, in my opinion, a pretty innocuous tweet that I didn't even think about. Um, the typical Chad making a comment on a video and it went completely nuclear. So much so, and again, I know there's some people that get, you know, they have tons, they have tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of, of followers. And this happens to them almost every time they say anything on social media, but it doesn't happen for me. Um, I've largely gotten over, you know, trying to have, you know, that yes, I put stuff out on Twitter. Um, but I, it's a far, I I'm so rarely on there compared to years and years ago. And so I haven't really given it much thought, attention, strategy to what I'm doing. And there was a, a video that came out about Desmond Ritter, uh, just throwing a pass to Kyle Pitts. And my, my first thought, which is what I wrote is, you know, that, that if the pads are on the helmet, you know, the, those, uh, helmet covers, if they're safer, why not wear them all the time? Just a pretty, again, innocuous observation. And I found out actually a UTH super fan, uh, let me know about it, that it was picked up by someone with a ton of followers on Instagram and men and like, again, I don't, I'm not on Instagram. I'm not really sure how it works, but basically my tweet was on there but it was attached to their massive following. So I think, so it translated over to Twitter and got a lot of hits and then obviously a lot of comments. And so my phone, it, for the, one of the few times, uh, it, it, was, it had the blow up factor. I have notifications off and everything, but the point is I would go on there and it was just notifications and it just grew so quickly. It turned into like 12 million impressions and, you know, 24, 25,000, um, likes, you know, 1800, I'm looking at this now, 1800 retweets about a thousand plus comments. And here's the interesting thing. So I was looking at some of the comments and blah, 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 and trying to engage and do all this stuff. But for about a 24, 36 hour period, it's just every time I went on Twitter, I was like, you've got to be kidding me with all this in, involvement. And it was centered on this one. Don't give it a second thought comment on a video. And the surprising thing to me was it didn't really translate to like new followers. It didn't really translate from my vantage point to really anything. And so it got me thinking and, and one of my hypotheses for social media is what does this all mean? You know, uh, are we selling stuff? Um, is the goal to get uh, views funneled towards 
you know, your blog, your website, uh, your YouTube, whatever it is, and get them off of that platform? Is it just to be uh, popular liked <laughs> on, on said platform, uh, Twitter or X or whatever they're calling it? Because again, I, I didn't pick up 5,000 new followers from all this engagement. I didn't uh, get a bunch of new subscribers beyond what I would normally get or the expect expectation to have. So what's really the end game here? Because I remember I used to, oh, when the games are going on, you know, I would be on there and uh, making comments and trying to be seen and trying to be popular and all this kind of stuff. And the longer I've gone on, it has been more about, well, put that into a UTH premium show, put that into an article, put that into something on Patreon and, and partition your work behind a paywall where don't write these diatribes, don't spend all this mental energy putting something out on Twitter. And I still stand by that. Uh, I stand by that you, I mean, there are two different types of, of people out there. And I always feel like if you, the, the one philosophy is give everything away and at some point ask for monetary compensation or just pummel people with ads. And I, I still, it's kind of funny to, to think back to when the UTH Dynasty website started because uh, it was about three weeks of things being, uh, I think it was three weeks of, of, of content being free. And then it was like, well, put up the paywall and at some point you have to test it out and see if you have something of interest that people are willing to click purchase, click membership engaged, click, uh, that, you know, we, I, I like your content enough to pay for it. And it's a huge hurdle. It's a huge mental hurdle. It's a huge, um, it's a huge rabbit hole of self-worth. It could be, uh, that you go down. And, and honestly, I think, it's interesting to see how some people, they really do view uh, fantasy content as they go on Twitter and they see links for things and uh, they see they see free content and they, they go read that and that is, that is it. Uh, I find that very interesting that um, there is a decent faction that that is all they really know. Um, and I know that there's people that listen to this show. I say it probably once or twice a month that it, it, it is very interesting to me that there could be someone that's listened for months or years to this show and they're not curious or at least curious enough to sign up and try out the other content that I offer, uh, whether it's, you know, podcasting or otherwise. That to me is surprising that you can have such a connective relationship. And, and I've said before that to me, the podcast medium, I consume podcasts. Um, it is something that, uh, you know, I was one that I still remember just to go off on a, you know, ah, sit on Chad's lap. I'm going to tell a story about the 1990s um, that <laughs> uh, I still remember going off to college and, you know, you're a, a young kid with a car and it, again, radios were in cars back then, not really so much now, but I still remember that connective voice, that connective relationship to listening to sports talk radio. I was in Texas at the time. I think they had the national, they had a national syndication of the Tony Kornheiser show. And I think I've mentioned this before, but I mean, I've been listening to him for years 
and I wouldn't, it's not like I would listen every, every day or, um, or even three or four times a week, but I knew when the show was on and if I was in the car, you better believe, you know, during that time that I would listen and there were times when I had an extra five, 10 minutes and I would stay in the car so that I could finish the the segment, you know, before they go to commercial or, or listen to a few extra minutes. And just, I, I always found a connection with the voice, you know, the voice, the, the communication, the uh, chemistry between the co-hosts or guests. And it was something, I'm not going to say magical, but it was just something special. And when podcasts came around, I was like, well, this is fascinating because it unlocks a world. And, and back then it was, it was much more difficult when podcasts started to actually do one. Now it is very, the, the barrier to start is a lot uh, lower and a lot easier. However, I still think that that connective voice to ear hole is so valuable. And I was talking to some, some super fans over there in the VIP, UTH VIP chat group, which uh, again, just vibrant community. I love it. Um, it's one of the best decisions I've ever made in terms of something to offer and something to foster and something to truly value uh, as a win-win and connective resource between myself and my, uh, my super fan subscriber base. And they said, I, I was talking to them about, you know, that, that vi oh, videos and YouTube and all this. And I was like, specifically within fantasy football, it just surprises me that some, uh, some content producers focus on that so much because I am the type that, I mean, I, I work from home. I mean, I certainly could be one that sits there and watches videos, but I don't because I just, I know this monopolizing someone's eyes is a lot more intensive than only monopolizing their ears because you can pop on headphones and you can go to the gym. You can listen in a car. You can uh, take a dog for a walk. You can be driving your kids to and from somewhere. You can be going to an appointment. Um, you can be doing other things maybe related to your job. Uh, there's a lot of these moments or minutes or hours in your day that you could be listening to podcasts. And not many of those, in my opinion, you could be watching a video. So I find it fascinating, especially, again, just within the fantasy football content niche of, of the barriers for the average person of who is watching a 10-minute, 15-minute, or beyond video. When they And maybe they're playing the video and mostly listening to it and not really watching. But the podcast, it's about the voice. It's about the connection. It's about uh, having that familiarity with the resource. And you get used to it. That's the other thing. Like I've started recording this weekly show and no, it's not going to be on, on Sunday night into Monday morning during the season. It'll probably be on Mondays at some time. But... Th that routine. I know that as a podcast consumer, there's certain shows that come out on certain days and you get into a groove and you come to expect it. And when it's not there, you notice where, oh, Mondays, man, I'm looking forward to, you know, on over the weekend, maybe you're not, ha certain shows don't come out or whatever, but you get back to Monday and you're like, oh, you know, and all of a sudden your feed gets populated and it's always nice. It it's nice to have that and you get used to it. And that consistency of the content producer 
to me is valuable. It's so valuable when I see that as a consumer and it's attractive and all these things, I, I just, just trust me. It is not lost on me because I'm on both sides of the coin. There are plenty of shows that I have that relationship and I'm on the other side. I'm on the, I'm the consumer, I'm the listener. And then obviously I produce hundreds upon hundreds of shows on a few different platforms every single year on my own. And I know because I get emails, I get messages that that connectivity is there and it's powerful. And the other thing is don't abuse that. Like what I love about the premium model is it's not based on ads because I know as the consumer, it bothers me when you go in and it's like, okay, it's a 45 minute show. Is it going to be two ad breaks, five ad breaks? I don't like, but the point is you got to get out your phone and you fast forward. And to me, it's all a big scam job because how many people sit there and they listen to all the ads? I mean, sometimes they're minutes at a time and it just, so, so we're all playing a shell game. So they're getting paid for the ads, but I, what are they paying? Because they have to assume, okay, well, they're on here, but are people actually listening to it? Is it actually driving traffic? Do people actually care? And then you're mucking up the actual content of the show. And then you're forcing the consumer to grit their teeth through that and then fast forward and then possibly miss part of the show. Like I'm not one that like I necessarily go back. I go, you know, skip ahead, skip ahead, skip ahead. And if I end up missing an extra 10, 15 minutes of the regular show, so be it. I got rid of the ads. <laughs> I, I, I moved past that point. But to me, it's just all based on, I'm not going to say it's based on lies, but it's based on, it's based on not, uh, not conducive behavior and, you know, putting the consumer first. I, like I'm the type that if I'm listening to something and it's like, they got a bunch of shows every week, I'll gladly pay to give me the clean one. Give me the intro and just start talking, start talking, give me the good stuff. And don't tell me about razors and underwear and, and all sorts of uh, stuff. Like just, just give me the actual product. And honestly, like that's kind of where we're going with streaming of, of media and all this. Like people are like, Hey, I'll pay the $10 a month. Can I just watch what I want to watch and don't have me any uh, monkey business? So uh, again, that's been the UTH model. I didn't mean to go off on a tangent for a few minutes, but it's just been something that I I'm always kind of thinking about and always fascinated by how some people make, make choices. So again, Thank you so much for listening to this weekly show. And I know that there's some that this is all you will ever listen to, but I will just say there is a world out there <laughs> that I record many, many shows that go well beyond this podcast. And as I always mention, there's a money back guarantee. We're talking over <laughs> for, for almost a decade now, there's probably been 10 refunds <laughs> and it's, it's a minute number. You can have one. It's just been minute. Get on there, hook it up to your podcast device of choice and try it out. If you don't like it, let me know in the first week or two and give you your money back. It's a rare occurrence, but it happens. Some people, it's just not for them. But if you like to sit and listen to no advertising, a clean cut of 
of dynasty fantasy football podcasting and things like film notes during the season, for example, you're going to get running back roundup, uh, which is really going to cut, uh, cut uh, all the way to the core of what you need to know, what you need to be tracking on a weekly basis. Uh, I think it's, I, I can't remember what it's called, but Friday night, I th- oh, final thoughts. Uh, so like Friday night, I record final thoughts, which is after the, um, after the practice reports come out. Uh, so much content uh, during the week that gets you ready. Uh, Dynasty trading, all this is covered in season. And again, you're going to get a little little preview of this as we go through the, the preseason as well with film notes and thoughts and running back roundup and all these things because I need my reps getting ready for the season as well. All right, I got, uh, I got one more topic that I wanted to cover, and it is what is proven as a wide receiver? You know, I mentioned this term all the time, and I, I distilled it down, and I actually went through this exercise to add it. I have yet to publish it on the site, but it's coming. And I thought it was interesting because, again, I one of the things I've said is the dynasty rankings at UTH are, in my opinion, the most unique out in the dynasty space period. Rankings are easily the biggest clickable item on any fantasy football um, content, I, I would imagine. You put out rankings, it's a discussion point. You put out rankings, and they're going to look at that 10 times more than they'd read any any specific article. And mine include things, you know, yes, other people have age on theirs, that's fine. Not everyone tiers it. So that's one easy thing that you can look for on other, um, on other dynasty rankings that a lot of times it's not there. Um, I also have years of contract allegiance with their uh, current with their current contract situation, and then I have their dynasty role. Uh, so that's that's another differentiator, and then a bunch of other stuff. Like I actually go through uh, projections at wide wide receiver with comparable uh, career arcs and and all of that. And and frankly, I've talked about longevity is not. Uh, an age number. It should be a quality years or what type of seasons remaining sort of uh, moniker is what I think. And then uh, what I looked at was you kind of want, so there's two, two types of wide receivers you're looking at. Like there is the, are you proven or how proven you are? And then if you're not going to be proven, you at least want someone that's pretty darn efficient. And say that you know if if opportunity finds you, this is the type of player you're looking at. And I said, well, so I so I asked myself, well, what does proven mean? And so I came up with this uh, this checklist. And it may sound, depending on what your vantage point is, this may sound like easy threshold, or it may sound pretty difficult. And here's what I came up with. I came up with uh, to be proven. Two top 12 seasons. So that is a double hit. It's a pretty high threshold, if you ask me. So no fluky seasons here. And you've pretty much got to earn it. Like someone like Justin Jefferson, for example, uh, he's already there. Jamar Chase has played two seasons. He's already there. Uh, so you don't have to be an older player, per se, or a mid-career player. But many of them are. Uh, but frankly, they've been proven for quite some time. Um, I thought, and then the other, uh, the, the next, uh, way to get there, 
it's almost like a conversion. This is like an algebra equation is I said one top 12 season plus two top 24 seasons. So you didn't get there with the second one, but you had two other really good seasons. An example player of that is DK Metcalf. He has one top 12 and he has two more in the top 24. So that's three seasons. And let me see if there's another example of the top 12. And uh, Brandon Cooks is an example. You know, he's had one top 12 season and then a boatload of top 24s. Then I came up with one more. And it's specifically for one more player in this that fits. And I basically called it the Tyler Lockett Clause, which is four, at least four top 24 seasons. Because Tyler Lockett has never gotten home in adjusted points per game, but he's been top 24 four times, and he was wide receiver 25 another time. So essentially five top 25 seasons. And so he's one that I think it's pretty clear that he's a proven wide receiver in the NFL, but he hasn't really got, he's the rare guy that hasn't gotten all the way home when you look at adjusted points per game and seasonal finishes. So that's that's one that I came up with. But so this might sound overly hard or easy depending on who you ask. But I thought it was interesting that there's not many wide receivers that got a yes for being proven. And I would argue of guys that are actually legitimately on the radar were first of all it's less than 20 wide receivers uh that are really on the radar. I mean, for example, I mean, I still have Jarvis Landry in there. I still have Julio Jones. I mean, they're pretty much dead and gone. Uh, do we really think Robert Woods, you know, he's a yes, uh, you know, by the letter of the law, he's got one top 12 and three more top 24. So he hits that threshold. Now he's 31 years old and people don't expect much of him. Uh, you've got Adam Thielen on this list. He's kind of fallen off the last year or so, but he, he hits the benchmarks to, to be on this proven list. Uh, Odo Beckham talk about a wild card. So not everybody or Allen Robinson, for example, are we expecting something from him? He hit, he fits this criteria. Um, but I found it interesting that there's varying levels. There's a lot of players that people are picking holes in. For example, I mean, on this list is Chris Godwin. I think he's one of the most criminally underrated profiles out here. Uh, he's an unequivocal. Yes. You've got, uh, Mike Evans. Let's keep bashing that guy. He's a yes. Amari Cooper. He's a yes. Uh, Keenan Allen, he's a yes. Oh, oh, God forbid these guys are old. Tyler Lockett, I mentioned he's a yes. Michael Thomas, can he stay healthy? But he's a yes. Juju Schmidt-Schuster, probably one of the least, in, you know, you look at the last couple of years, least inspiring, but he's got two top 12s, another top 24. He's a yes. So that, I, I just think it's an interesting conversation on what you view. Brandon Cooks, Odo Beckham um, are two others. But like I said, there's less than 20 out there and there's definitely a few that the market just likes to, to beat on and likes to uh, push down as if they're chopped liver. So be very careful. So I came up with, uh, you know, this column that basically has proven, you know, yes, is me, you meet those. I would say, and then I have an almost, which means you are well on your way. Uh, for example, someone like Jalen Waddell, he's got a wide receiver 10, wide receiver 14 season uh, seasons in his first two years. He doesn't, he doesn't really meet it. You know, he, he's pretty close. He's probably going to get there, you know, and he's probably going to get there this year because all he needs is a top 24 and, and he gets there and gets home. 
but that's an example of of almost Ceedee Lamb, same, same kind of same thing as as Jalen Waddle. You know, a top twelve and a top twenty four. That's an almost. Um, you know, you've got um, Amon Ross St. Brown. He's an almost. You know, he's got one top twelve. He just needs to get you know another one. He and he's on on the track. He's on the trajectory. It's not like last year was a down year per se. Um, so those are examples of almost. And then I have one. Uh, I have two more. Well, three more categorizations in this category. Uh, the easy one to get out of the way is if you're a rookie. Well, you haven't even played, so it's not a yes. It can't be a yes. It's it's not a no because you really haven't played. So I don't know. You know, you're not really you're not really anywhere. You're you're a neutral. Let's call it. And then, so the other, the other two are promising, which means you've shown signs of life, signs that you could be an almost, you could be a yes in the future. Examples of promising. You've got uh, the classic would be you're on a some sort of success trajectory after your rookie season. Guys like Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. Um, you know, it could be a mid-career guy that's played a little bit like Brandon Ayuk. He has a top 24 season. He's got another one that is right on the fringe of top 24. But, you know, you need some more. Is he going to be Tyler Lockett in two, three years? Or is he going to put up a top 12 and it's going to be like, hey, look at me now. I'm the captain, you know, and you're, you're getting there. So that's promising. You know, you've shown some good signs. Um, Terry McLaurin, you know, is, is promising, but he doesn't really you know, he, he hasn't seen enough ceiling to, to be proven at this point. So those are examples of promising. And then you have just the pretty easy, no, <laughs> uh, no. And so what I use for no is like, here's an example, uh, Jameson Williams. So he didn't get, he didn't have a promising rookie season. So he can't go in there. <laughs> and, and so he, he hasn't really put up one season to get you on the promising trajectory. Nico Collins, he's another one. He's, he's no, his peak season is wide receiver 55 through a couple of years. I could, you know, you could squint and go, it's pr- in the radius of promising, but let's be a little more strict about it. He's just not in the air of the other guys I mentioned. Um, so, so no players are just, that we haven't seen enough, you know, and it's going to be a combination, um, also of efficiency. I, I, you know, yards per route run for their career, you know, there's elite, there's very good, there's average, uh, there's middling, and then there is uh, poor. So these two columns are going to be pretty powerful of just kind of updating as we go during the season, but really it's about profiling. And that was the biggest point I wanted to make about this whole section and why I brought it up is because sometimes it's pretty easy to get to, to take on the noise. But when, when we come around, it's about profiling and saying, have you been good? How much have you been good? To what degree have you been good? If you have not been good, you better be efficient so that we can at least point and say, aha, you need more volume. And here's why I think you're going to get it. Otherwise it's like, if you're someone with like, for example, Jahan Dotson is a promising label. You know, he comes out, he has a wide receiver 39 adjusted points per game season in year one. However, he is low in yards per route run and at 1.39. So that is not in a, in a good subset coming out of year one. It's a little bit of a leap of faith. Thank goodness he's a round one pick, right? <laughs> because he doesn't, you know, based on this, 
tiering and categorization, he doesn't have as much going for him as a lot of these other players that are in the top 30, 35, 40. Um, let me go over one more guy, Michael Pittman. So there's a lot of, oh, he's going to be great. Well, what if he's the next Cortland Sutton? He's got back-to-back seasons at wide receiver 27 in adjusted points per game. So let's call that promising. But it's Terry McLaurin-like, let's be honest. Terry McLaurin's a guy that his peak year through four seasons is wide receiver 20. That's good. Good, but it's not elite or anything. And then the other problem with Michael Pittman, you look over at efficiency, average. 1.62 yards per out run. Yeah. You know, certainly good enough to hang in the NFL. You're not going to lose your job per se. But is there really something to get super excited about right here? Is that really enough to get excited about a wide receiver, something in the mid-20s price point? I don't think so. I mean, I have them way lower than that. And you kind of see why, you know. So the, the good news is you'll you'll look and you'll see where he's tiered. You'll see where players are ranked. And you're going to see, you know, what I view their dynasty role as, uh, you know, the proven label, and then the efficiency aspect. And it really kind of ties everything together, the puzzle pieces, and puts them together. And you can see the picture. So this is the, the kind of stuff that I'm always kind of swirling around in, uh, you know, in my mouth about how can we make rankings better? How can we make it a more transparent and understandable, digestible process? And I think wide receiver is a key one. Tight end is a secondary one in terms of um, it just refining the process and providing more than just a little blurb about a player and then their age and then a one through 50 list. To me, that's not, it, it, it's 2023. That's not dynasty rankings and dynasty rankings can tell way more of a story. And I'll just say it that being a solo enterprise that when I update rankings, I can update them in 5.4 seconds. And what really, uh, I've seen the, you know, how the hot dogs are made and for a site that has, you know, if you have like 10, 15, 20 rankers, my goodness, like it is trying to push a boulder up a hill to get all 20 updated in a timely fashion. When an injury strikes, when something graphically changes with a player to get everything updated is <laughs> such an arduous handholding task. And that to me, if UTH had 10 rankers and I had to handhold people and say, update your rankings, like I want them, you know, news happened at one and by two or three, it needs to be different on the site. And three people have updated and five people have not. It's a problem. <laughs> And that is a problem I am glad I do not have. And the, the big sites, uh, it's viewed as a, this major perk. Look at all these rankers. Look at this. Look at this con, uh, con, uh, consensus average we have for all these players. Isn't this impressive? And I would say, well, in season, in August, all these time periods where things are moving fast or even coming out of the NFL draft, how many days is it taking that big, rusty site, big, uh, giant behemoth, how long does it take to move those gears 
and get it updated. Is it updated by Sunday after the NFL draft? What about Monday? How about Tuesday? We're doing like reverse auctioneering. (laughs) What about the following Friday? How long does it take to get all those people dressed right dressed, to use a military term, and ready to go? And so I'm just so thankful I do not have to check with anybody. I can make an adjustment to the rankings and it's up and I don't have to worry about it. And I don't have to hound somebody to say, you need to update it. We need to get consensus, blah, blah, blah. And so for whatever advantage you're getting with consensus, I would also say you're losing things with consensus because you have to get approval. You have to get three rubber stamps that it's okay. And then you have to get everybody on board doing it the same way to actually have process consistency with all those rankers and resources. So soapbox complete uh, for that topic as well. And I do want to mention uh, some of the the recent content uh, that yards per route run series over UTH Dynasty is complete. Uh, If you're hearing this, that the last one is basically coming out, uh, all 32 teams. Uh, what a journey. It was a great process for me putting this together. Um, I rarely do something that covers cause I know it's going to be 32 different shows. Uh, but it was over the past two, three weeks, it was the perfect time to do it. Looking at yards per route run, looking at predictions for passing games across the NFL. Each team is five to 10 minutes. Uh, some of them drift into the 12, 13 minute range. But talking about these passing games, talking about the 2023 season coming up. And then also, I uh, wanted to shout out, we've had some really good content. Um, I actually mixed in. I was, I was recording in my car. I uh, had, a, had a call with Erwin, a uh, UTH subscriber. We talked about his Dynasty Startup Draft. Uh, really great, um, really great conversation about uh, the format, also about auction mechanics, and obviously his team result. Um, also, uh, in recent weeks, we've talked with, with others in terms of the team build. Uh, I'm putting out stuff over at UTH Patreon. Uh, as we go through, Jordan McNamara and myself, we're doing a Dynasty startup auction. So it's a fun format. Uh, we, we talk all the time about you know every single day. It really does bring you together. You know We, we talk once a week uh, recording. But um, talking about players and just having a different conversation than you normally have. Uh, because you're building out this team. So we've had a lot of fun with that. Uh, more content to come uh, for uh, our auction result and the team team building strategy. But um, I'm, I'm sending out content uh, in drips over there. I also, um, if you're listening to this on Monday, it is Safe League's day uh, for your split drafts. And so you drafted around one and two back in May. Now rounds three and four for your annual draft. And I, I put out a show of VIP asked and guess what? VIP asks and Chad delivers. So put out a show of talking about the strategy, talking about what's changed, maybe what's not, some trading ideas, um, all of that in a bonus show over at patreon.com slash UTH. Also talked about the startup draft journey. I mentioned, you know, with Jordan that, you know, I could put this stuff out, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes as it's live fire happening. Um, as these days go and as this uh, journey of team building goes. Um, also did a VIP session where looking at the UTH running back hits and misses uh, profiles and rookie drafting and all that over uh, the past many years. 
at specifically running back, someone, someone said, Hey, you know, uh, it, I, and I've done it before, but honestly, it's great to get a reminder and get that rep in. And honestly, these are things that could be refreshed on an annual basis. And then of course, uh, if you want to hear Tim Torch, you can find him over at Patreon uh, for the UTH channel. Uh, we were talking about uh, lots of things in the overtime segment this past week, uh, talking about the end of summer, talking about what's on our list, uh, talking about the NFL preseason. We actually, I actually quizzed him on the 2023 movie box office, talked a little bit about movies. He's always one of my correspondents for keeping me in touch with, uh, with big media because I just, it's so rare for me. I think I saw the uh, Top Gun movie. Uh, That was the only movie maybe in the last two, three years I've seen in a theater. And honestly, I just, you know, uh, it's funny. I'm watching less and less TV slash movies. And when I do, I'll just randomly put something on. You know, it's like, oh, like example, you know, maybe I'll mention it with Tim this week, but I saw uh, Secret of My Success, that old, uh, was it 80s? maybe uh, Michael J. Fox movie where he gets to the top working from the mail room to corporate executive. Uh, and again, just kind of a funzy movie. Uh, so I'll put something on like that while I'm doing other things or doing busy work. But that's just an example where it's like, instead of going to the movie theater, uh, I will just pop something on that was on Amazon prime or whatever. Um, and then uh, looking also uh, some, some features that were over at Patreon. Just the final thing here is uh, looking at yards per route run model peers, uh, there's a lot of different ways to filter and sort that information. And uh, again, on a weekly basis, you're just all these types of things are just additional content that you are getting beyond this weekly free show. So again, if you're never going to try anything else out, just know I really appreciate you. But there's a whole world available uh, through my through the UTH Patreon and through UTHDynasty.com platforms for premium content, uh, very specific, very tailored and suggestions. Welcome as well as just, Hey, whether you want it or not, it's going to help and improve your dynasty teams. So I hope you're open to that idea. If you do sign up, I'm Chad Parsons and man, the preseason is here. We had a little taste with the hall of fame game, but this week we get the full water hose into, uh, into our consciousness and yep, it's a lot that doesn't matter but there still are peeking through keyholes and little grains that do matter here coming in the preseason, getting us ready for week one in just about a month. I'm Chad Parsons. Until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties.